Doctor? What doctor? Doctor who? Doctor who, did you say? Eh? Doctor who? What are you talking about? Gibberish, or do you really know what you're talking about? That the one on Sunday yeah. was really, really good. Here we are back in, um, you know, classic Who, and um, it's not as good as new Who. And no, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a rare event, isn't it? It is. I it think is. this is definitely a game of two halves. This one. Oh, really? Where's yeah. the demarcation line? Let's uh, let, yeah, yeah, let's, let's investigate. Shall let's we? investigate because yeah. yeah, I mean this. This is a story, yeah. I, I, I've never seen, um, and I've always been put off by by the the villain of our piece this time, the tractators, and the fact I'd seen stills of the the heresy of cutting up a Blake Seven helmet. Yeah, that um, is um, for a Blake Seven fan. That's a hard hurdle to get over. It is hard. Um, the only good thing is at least it was just the helmet. That's not the uh, the boiler suits chopped no. up either. Um, no, they, they did that for Delvin of Animan a couple of seasons. Of later, course they, they did, yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I went into it blind, apart from knowing that couple of things. Um, the first shock is that we've got Mr. Fibuli. I didn't know Mr. Fibuli was in it. Yes, yeah, it's um, it's quite a, good car, uh, quite a good guest cast, really. Because I know um, Mr. Range was meant to be another actor, but he was killed, wasn't he? he was let me, actor. hang on, let me go yeah. to my behind the scenes and, and, and give that you that bit now. Just, just double check before we go on too far. You are recording. Right? I am recording, yes. <laughs> I forgot, I'm normally this is, I'm going to press record. This isn't a rehearsal. Um, yeah, um, yeah, Mr. Range, yes, the original yeah. actor was Peter Arn. That was it, yes. Who, who was murdered. And yeah. this was just hours after he had been uh, been to the BBC for a costume fitting. Yeah, this was. I remember at the time this was huge news. Um, I mean, it got up to on the front pages, I suppose, but not in a not in a way they would want. Um, yeah, and then they, they recast it. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, I'm not. I, I mean, I don't know whether the difference in actor would have been made a huge difference to this character because it's quite a slight character really yes yeah Um, almost a month before you know Peter Arne was murdered the designer of of this story Barry Dobbins uh, died um, and it was later revealed that it was suicide he killed himself um, you know a month before Peter Arne was murdered so a horrible person would say, "Did he see the designs for the tractators?" That, 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 that would be poor taste. That would Not be the sort of thing we would do. We would never do anything no, like that. No, All right. No. The power of travel is beautiful, Doctor. Very beautiful. Yes, yes indeed. Well, as you can see from this panel, Gravis, I control all the main TARDIS functions, the uh, time coordinates, spatial coordinates, all inoperative at the moment, of course, because the spatial distribution circuits are switched in. Ah, now you really will have to be more careful, Gravis. 
Now the autoscan's picking up the location of all the concealed TARDIS components. Oh, well, not to worry. I shouldn't think it's even within your powers to reassemble them. Besides, what would you want with an old Type 40 time and relative dimension in space machine, hmm? But I do want it, Doctor. The TARDIS. Infinite travel within my grasp. Oh, no, Gravis, please. Take everything else, but leave me the TARDIS. I will have it. Oh, no, Gravis, please, I, I beg you. Spare me the TARDIS. Have it. What's he doing, Doctor? Sure, she doesn't time to disturb his concentration. So, yeah, you you got Onedian bloke, Mr. Fibuli, um, yeah, in a dodgy boiler suit with these other guys in dodgy boiler suits, capped off by a butchered Federation guard helmet. Um, and, yeah, they're in this, um, you know, this, the, the, this, this area, and you've got an old miner who sees... I don't even know what that's meant to be. There's a red pipe sticks out the ground. Um, that never actually turns into anything. We see that it's the tractators are pulling them down but yeah. are we meant to see that red pipe or is I that part of the special so. I, effect i think that's part of the special effect. oh dear so i think it's meant to be earth moving and then yeah you see the bit moving underneath it's like oh is that is that the special effects guy's hand is that the mechanism they used um <clears throat> yeah it's um it's not an auspicious start um, uh no this. no um and it, it, it's really weird because like you say it it immediately, it has it has a feeling of cheapness about it. This one, but I don't think it was because some of the sets are really good and big, and some of the sets are not, and some of the costumes are okay, and some of them are not. Mm. It's really it, it is a, a weird dichotomy. This this story, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. This bit, you, you know, the old boy going into the yeah. ground and that. I mean, this smacks of cheap because you know we've got a spectacularly rubbish way he's knocked out by you know yeah. falling rubble and then while the others look at some dust falling he vanishes we don't actually see the special effect of how he goes down there no because <laughs> I, I think I'd, I was going to watch the making of it and I thought no no I'm, I, I'll, I'll go off what I know and watch the episodes sort of blind from it um, and I, I vaguely remember someone saying sometime that originally you were meant to there wasn't meant to be this glowing effect for them to disappear that that was put on afterwards because they just couldn't get people to disappear no that you're, you're absolutely yeah. right yeah. yeah but that video effect i don't know if that is like a really crude way of trying to simulate dirt falling over I them i don't know it's very strange because all, when, when we find out later that it's these um tractators doing it and they're just using they have the weirdly the power of gravity um i don't know why these people would glow no because they're not being transported or anything they're literally being sucked down through the earth yes um, yeah it's, it's sort of um tremors this isn't no um, but the I, th I think the the script is solid um christopher bidney's script of course he was um he was script editor for a while he was not a great script editor i don't think um and he's very much a hard sf style of writer which generally doesn't work on doctor who because to do sort of hard sf you've got to have a decent budget mm. because it's all about the spectacle and the ideas and you know and i i don't think it quite quite works but i do i quite enjoy it. this first episode i think is the strongest of the four um 
and the first two episodes I think really stand up well. It's one of those stories that rapidly goes downhill when we meet our monsters. We've had this before yeah. on this very podcast, haven't we? Yes, this problem, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's because um, can you imagine? Can you imagine this story if it would have been? We didn't. We didn't know what it was, but it w- it would have been the Giga alien running about a load of them. Because mm. the story would work. The story works, I think. But um, yeah, this um, Captain Revere, Revere, Revere? or Reveray or something. Yeah, like that. Um, he. Uh, so he, for some reason, when we fight, we don't really get a good explanation. But he he's fascinated with the ground. He thinks that some secret is in the ground. We don't know what is happening at the moment. But yeah, he's fascinated with the ground. So he's he's going around digging holes, literally two foot away from the ladder. So yeah. I don't. They they mention that he's been looking, digging around for ten years. So did he go further away and work back? Or in ten years, has he literally got two foot away from? I the think ladder? we're supposed to think that, but the budget again yeah. doesn't, yeah, it doesn't um, stretch, does it? It, it doesn't, doesn't stretch. stretch at all. This might be another one where it's better on audio than. Yes. Yeah. If I you don't it see it, it might be, be better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because if you don't see it, you don't have our next scene, uh, which is when we're in the TARDIS, and yeah. I swear. We, the first person we see is Turlow, and he, yes. he's listening to behind the door. But the way he stood, it looks like he's having a pee up the wall. Yeah, this this is a bizarre little scene because, yeah, Turlow's listening to the Doctor, and then Tegan comes along, and they're they're acting as if like something's wrong and there's something up with the Doctor. But the sound effects you're getting from the Doctor, I don't know what he's doing in there. Well, I don't know what he's but, doing in there. I don't yeah. want to know what he's no. doing in there. Um, but yeah, Tur- Turlow is—he's um, okay in this one, but he does later on. He does ham it up a bit. But Tegan's really good in this, I think. I yeah, think no, she's all right. And of course, she she's in that outfit. I I know yeah. now that this is the one before she leaves. This That's is the correct, one before yeah. the Dalek one, isn't it? Yeah. So this is this is the best look for her, I think. Yes, yeah. And even though she really can barely walk in that mini skirt yeah, in some yeah, scenes. I mean, it's not very practical, is it? But. Um, certainly better than her cheap air hostess and and, and and that boob tubey thing that she oh, had a little while ago yeah. you know with a yeah no she, yeah she's worn some duffo outfits yeah, um, she didn't she didn't get the best of looks mm-hmm. and i think this is the best one just before she goes she gets a decent i think the pe- people refer to this as a punk look did I read somewhere? Is oh no, I'm thinking it might be Nissa. Something about oh she wore it as a farewell to the fans. Or oh, something. Nissa, Nissa basically dropped, you know, got rid of her skirt as a farewell gesture to the fans, and then Mark Strickson insisted in his final story to get do the same. So oh, is that why he's in those tight shorts? Tight, tight shorts. Yeah, um. shorts. <laughs> um, which is, is fine. I like Mark Strickson. I think he's, he seems... He's like, good, but, old oh boy, he, he, he's hard work in episode three and four. He is, yes. Yeah, he goes slightly into, uh, into overact mode. Well... Um, but yeah, the doctor, the doctor's doing something. God knows what. Don't want to know what he gets up to in his own room. Is up to him. Um, but then um, uh, they they go into the console room, and there's some, there's something off with this console. I don't know whether it's because of what happens later on, but it just doesn't look right. I don't, I don't know. What's I don't know. Up I didn't with. spot anything. Yeah, it just looked, it, it felt weird to me, like incredibly cramped. Yeah. Can you can, can you tell me apart from being a terrible, you know moment later on what is this deal with 
are you a hat person, the whole hat stand thing, you know? Why, what, what, what purpose does this serve, other than I'd... they actually think it's a weapon later on? Well, we don't, we don't know what the Doctor's doing at this point. Well, we don't know what he's doing at all, but they're sort of... The, Tegan thinks he's spring-cleaning it, which seems weird. But, yeah, he comes in and takes the hat stand, and he goes, are you, are you, are you hat people? And then he goes off as if he's going to use it for something, but, no, it never gets... It never gets used for anything. I wonder if this was just a way, a clumsy way of going, look, we've got a hat stand, that'll be important later. Because um, the hat stand has been there, well, since at least um, Baker's time, hasn't it? Oh, no, I, I think there was one in Hartnell's time. Was Wasn't there one in yeah. the corner? I'm sure yeah. there was. When, when, when you see sense, it in the very yeah. first story. Yeah, so finally we get a story about the hat stand. Hmm. Which the fans were clamouring out for, I believe. <laughs> yeah. I, imagine, I imagine Big Finish has got a series about the hat stand now. Well, I'm hoping you know it makes a reappearance, you know, sometime during this uh, run of new episodes. I we'll hope so. It. Yes, I hope that uh, Chibbers pulls the hat stand card out on his pack. That's <laughs> who that. That's who the Red Skull bad guy actually yeah. is. He it's takes like, off the mask. And it's, it's the, the, it's hat, the stand. hat stand. Do you know what? <laughs> if if he did that, I would salute the man. Yeah, that's I for leaving me on Frontios. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah. That's what it is. See, is you know that that new guy swarm. He's not when he was uh, trapped at the beginning of time. Um, it wasn't. It was actually the hat stand was left on the planet. Yes. Um, I think. I think. I think we've seen through you, Mr. Chibnall. I think so. Yeah. Yes. We. Yeah. If uh, that does turn out to be right, we're going to be. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be superstars. All these people yeah, say, "No, yeah. it's the master. It's the master. It's not. It's the ha- it's hat the stand." Hat stand. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if uh, I wonder if there's an action figure of the hat stand. Do you know what? There probably is, isn't there? There probably was an accessory of the hat stand in one of them. Or someone's yeah, made one, made one yeah. whittled one to go with their action figures. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, okay. Where were we? Oh, yeah. So, ta- yeah. The ta- so um, the alarm goes off. The alarm goes off. Yes. Yeah. Which happens a lot in this TARDIS console room in Davison's time. Yeah. It? A lot of episodes start with the TARDIS going a bit. Weird. Well, it's going a bit weird because they've gone too far into yeah. the future. This this is strange, and it ne- it never really plays into anything. But but yeah, the Doctor goes, we've strayed too far. Yes. And it's like, what? what who's setting this? I'm presuming a time loss. But why? Why would? Why is there a a limit to where you can go? I understand that, like perhaps the final heat death of the entire universe, but you don't get the feeling that this is this. Well, no, because that's a co- we've got another co- colonial story, haven't we? We we yeah. we have colonists yeah. on this planet, so yeah, yeah you know. But according, to, I don't get all this about you've gone too far into the future. Don't tell the time lords yeah. that we've been here. I I don't understand it at all. Yeah, he's very very much. Um, if anyone asked, don't, I mean, did the time lords just randomly go around? Has Doctor been here? Has he? Is what he looks like? I don't know. Do they care? Because he also says the the laws of time stops the Doctor going there because he's yeah. not allowed to interfere because the colony is too new. Yeah, well, since when has that ever stopped him? So if it's been there a few years, he's allowed to fiddle about all he wants. Yeah. Um, also, he doesn't abide by Time Lord rules anyway, so what difference does it make whether it's against the law or not? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very strange, but I do, I do like Davison's portrayal in this he's playing it as almost a slightly older doctor i love the fact he puts the glasses on and he's mm. he's instantly yeah he's a, this is a really good 
fifth doctor performance in this one i think yeah he gets better when he first comes out and he's talking about hats yeah. and that he it's like oh dear it's the he's breathless doctor yeah he's being wacky yeah he's being a bit wacky but he soon he soon he fact, drops oh, that yeah, doesn't he he does yeah he because uh, they 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 la end up landing on the planet because there's been this meteorite who well, the doctor thinks it's a meteorite storm that's forced him down i'm not I, I'm never quite sure on these stories where the TARDIS is flying through real space and gets hit by things. Because that's not how I really imagine a TARDIS travelling. Well, it dematerialises, doesn't yeah. it? It doesn't turn yeah. invisible. It dematerialises. You know. Well, it um, was to begin with. But... It was to begin with. Um, so, yeah, so it gets forced down and he lands on this planet. And, and this is where we get our first glimpse of the set. Because this, this is an unusual one in that there's no location filming. So everything's done on the set. Now you've got that, a, that terrible yeah. model of the spaceship. Yes. Oh, it's awful. It looks about six inches long yep. in a cat litter tray. That's got to be a pickup shot where someone went, hang on, we haven't, we haven't got a model of the space. Oh, are you there, Ian? Ian? Oh. Ian, can you hear me? Oh. Hang on, Ian. I think I've muted you by accident. Hang on. Ian. Hello. Can you, can can you, you hear me? me? Yeah, I can hear you. I accidentally pressed a button and I didn't realise that I could actually mute you. Oh, such power. Oh, sorry about that. Could you That's hear it. me? Yeah, I could hear you the oh, whole time. Oh, blimey. <laughs> sorry about that. Could I didn't realise there was that function on yeah. this. Oh, okay. Amazing. Oh, all right. Okay. You could oh, have phew. spared the listeners my side of the conversation for the rest of it. <laughs> Um, all right, so what were we saying? Oh, yeah, the, yeah. I thought when you see that model, I yeah. thought it was a weapon or something on the ground, and then it's like, yeah. oh, no, it is actually it's a a meant to be a spaceship. It, it has no scale whatsoever to show. So the dirt does look like litter tray dirt. It's so big and doesn't match what we see. Um, they could have cut it out, and I don't think... I don't think you would watch this go well. I, 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 I'm going to switch off because I, don't, I can't realise this is a spaceship. Um, it's, a, it's a strange little shot and it, it looks cheap as anything mm. um, but yeah then we, we, we cut to this this set um, and it's really interesting if you watch the uh, the deleted footage on the DVD they've got this without well, before they've uh, keyed the sky in and you see the top of the studio and all the lights and oh, it's right. really, yeah it's a massive space um, I don't I don't mind this this set but it's not convincing in any way no it looks like what it is yeah it, lo it looks like a play is going on doesn't it it's sort of sort of setting it's, up yeah you've actually play. got a stage for yeah. most of the time slap bang in the middle um <laughs> yeah and and through through everything that's going on there we find out that that, that the captain has died yeah mr fibuli wants to hush it all up uh, we've got billy liar is the captain's son. I always remember that yes, guy. Yeah, Billy he, Liar, he played yeah. Billy Liar, didn't he? Yeah. Um, there's aerial bombardments daily, and we have... I, I, I said there's a there, there's a girl with 80s hair. This is the girl I was trying to think of when I thought it might be Lisa oh, Goddard. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, she's, the girl, Dunlop, isn't she's the one from... Is it Delta and the Bannerman? Or, we've already um, featured her, haven't we? She was Ace... No, no, Happiness Patrol. She's oh, yes, that one yes. bit that befriends Ace in the Happiness it, Patrol. Yes, yeah. yeah. I always wasn't she in something? Wasn't it some terrible sitcom like May to December? Or, that they all merge into one big do, ball yes. of crapness for me. Um, no, I don't go anywhere near such things. Um, yeah, she's Norna. Norna. 
really yeah, odd name. Yeah, very odd name. I do like because um, the the doctor turns up and he's sort of very he's very cagey about who he yes. is isn't he yeah he doesn't want to tell him as if as if the time lords are monitoring this planet mm. but we get no feeling that they are um but uh, yeah he uh, he immediately steps in to help and we get uh, this wonderful scene that i don't understand why is that they come out of the tardis they see the the wounded people and the doctor starts to pick one up and says give me a hand and then Tegan's going, bring him this way, through this door. So how does she know what's yes. in there? That might yeah. have been the toilets. Yeah. I've got here, the planet has no water or anything no. to burn. That's what Range says, doesn't he? Yeah, he, say, he says that Frontios has no burnable or combustible material. It's just a rock and no water. And I mean, how, how are they how surviving? How are they surviving? Because yeah. we, we find out they've been here for... 50 um, years. 50 years. And they've been at war, they think, for 30 years. Um, which is, I think, it, the, the, again, this is the hard SF long-term stuff because surely they, most of these people wouldn't be alive. They well, wouldn't have been born this, when... This Norna girl yeah. was born there then. She must be, yeah. But she's there's no sort of mentioning of it. Um, and there's nothing mentioned to say these people at this point are living longer lives or anything like that. You could have had this as... You know, maximum ten years, couldn't you? We've we've been here for five years, and for the last three years, we've been. That would make more sense. Well, I, I don't understand how you know regimented everything is, how clean all the uniforms are. They, 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 they're living yeah. literally in the wreckage of their spaceship. This should be like Mamax Beyond Thunderdome down in yes, the crack, yeah. shouldn't it? it? It should be. Yeah, it should. They should have reverted to savagery by now. Because weirdly, they've also got a. Um, uh, 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 hierarchical system of, of government even though it was Captain Revere so you imagine, okay, he might have been the captain of this colony ship why would his son automatically take over? Yeah That's, that's not quite how sort of military and that works I don't think um, it, it, It's quite a bizarre thing that I do, my favourite line in the whole thing though is when um, Range says uh, he goes. Oh, it was the the latest ship. Um, it was um, failure-proof technology, and the doctor goes, "Well, what happened?" He goes, "It failed." <laughs> and that's that's nice scripting. That doesn't strike me as a Chris Bidmead line. So I, I, I that that may well be uh, the script editor. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do like that, and I I quite like the fact that um, the doctor's the, you know Range is just talking to the doctor. They don't really waste any time with, with the, oh, you know, or too much time with the. We're suspicious of you. Normally, that goes on for a couple of episodes. In this, it's quite pretty quickly dealt with, isn't it? Yes. I think um, yep. uh, Oneidin doesn't trust them to start with, and um, Billy Liar doesn't trust them to start with. Um, but they, yeah, they soon drop that, which is good because I, I find that interminable. In yes. Some stories. Yeah. Yeah, um, I tell you what is long and protracted and unnecessary though is this rather tedious bit with Tegan, Turlo, and Norna going into the ship to get the battery. Yes. Yeah. But so, so this entire first episode story arc is we need a light bulb, hmm. which bravo for unusual storylines, you know, quest points. But yeah, the 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 Doctor needs to. Uh, operate on these people that are injured, which he never does in the end. No. I presume they just died. They couldn't wait for the light bulb. <laughs> um, and um, 
the doctor realizes that the only the only light they've got are these sulfur lamps, which are dangerous. And we get a couple of little quite funny bits where the turlo's shaking it like mad, and the doctor tells him off, and then the doctor does it. Um, and then the doctor sees that there's like a steam pumpy thing, but in the meantime, uh, Leslie Dunlop's character Norna has said, "Oh, we've got these acid lamps." Um, but they're locked away in the colony ship, and no one's allowed aboard the colony ship. So, I d where are the where are the colonists living? Yes. Um, is there like a tented city behind them or something? How many um, of them are there? I don't. Well. I mean, we we only see a handful, don't we? Yep. yep. Um, and the doctor does say that, and it gets a great um, scene where he's berating Oneidin, and he says, uh, basically, you know, you you've fallen below the number of people necessary to have a viable colony and it's, a, it's really nice and again Davison is great doing that I wish they'd have let him be a bit angrier more often mm. I think he might, might not you, have had the, the wet vet do <laughs> you think that the, you know, the reason for his changing performance here is, is because um, you know it was during rehearsals for this uh, story that Colin Baker was announced as the yes. new actor um, so do you think it's like you know oh, I'm sh I'm going to show them what they're going to be missing you know I think I think so because I mean I quite like Davison anyway as the Doctor but after he decided to leave it's like he stepped up his game and I don't mm. know whether that was just the weight off his shoulders so he thought he could experiment or something like that but and I know towards the end he regretted saying he would leave didn't he said if if it if it if he'd have had the experience he had in the middle of his third or the beginning of his third season, he wouldn't have agreed to leave at the end of the second season. Um, but he's definitely he's upped his game and he's on fine form. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know whether it's just he's like I say he's got a weight off his shoulders. You know, it's like when you, if you once you've handed in your notice at work, in it you you sort of start to enjoy the job yes, because yeah. there's no consequences. Um, I think part of me likes your idea that he heard Colin was cast and he thought, yeah, I'm going to show him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show him. I quite like that. I can imagine Peter Davison doing that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he is good. I, li I like his line as well that he says, if anyone asks, we came and went like a summer cloud. <laughs> I like <laughs> That's that. not bad. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting near the end of episode one and, we are, and yes. we're, we're going to get the airstrikes, or they think they're airstrikes. Um, which is basically a wing gun firing Fuller's Earth horizontally yes. at yeah. everybody. And, and, uh, and people randomly falling over. Yes. Even though some of them are nowhere near, near the, yeah. the strike. But this is, we find out that these, these air quotes, meteorite strikes, have been going on for the last 30 years. Yes. Which is just bizarre. Yes, it's too long a time period. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, because ultimately we find out it's all the tractators doing, and they're basically softening up the colonists yeah. for thirty I mean, years. It's a long-term plan, isn't it? I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it. Like I say, you could have easily solved a lot of that problem just cutting it by ten. You know, cutting it by a factor of ten, having five years, three years. We've been under bombardment for three years. That that makes sense that they. They still look clean. They still yeah, but not thirty. Yeah, thirty years, and this is happening almost every day. They say yeah, it is daily. Yeah, the, yeah. this aerial bombardment um, because they've got a uh, they've got weirdly a watchman 
a warmsman or something they call him in it, and his job is just to look up in the sky. Yes, and look for them. Oh, yeah. good. Um, and talking he's covered about... in bird shit as well, so perhaps that, <laughs> perhaps that's why he keeps looking up in the sky. Yeah. An old oh, gold moment is the end when yes. the the Doctor says the TARDIS has been destroyed, um, yep. but the hat stand remains. Yeah, I don't I don't know why they would leap to the conclusion that the TARDIS has been destroyed. Well, we know by now that yeah. the TARDIS is indestructible. Yeah. Well, I, at this point, I think they were trying to perhaps suggest otherwise. But why would the hat stand be left? I'd say the TARDIS had been destroyed. It's. I mean, you. The only way you could, you could justify this is, is when the Doctor was saying, "Are you hat? Are you hat people?" And they go, they go, "And what are you doing?" And he goes, "What? Well, oh, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to put a force field around. You know, something to." to make the hat stand special as to okay that's why it survived um, but yeah so we get this weird shot of just a smoking hole in the ground with the hat stand sticking out of it mm. um, did you believe the TARDIS had been destroyed for good? I'm just very very puzzled at this point because I, I can you tell me what actually happened to the TARDIS what what made that happen to the TARDIS how, how has this happened? Um, I, I think and again it's not really very well explained I think because the meteorites are being drawn in by Gravis's gravity, that's handy that he's called Gravis, really. His, <laughs> his gravity powers, that that pulled the TARDIS down underground, but in the, also it spread itself out to protect itself. But I don't know why it would do that. But isn't the TARDIS, yeah. like, infinite? Well, it's meant to be, isn't it? We only see although, about four walls of yeah, it. Yeah, although at this point, uh, from Legopolis onwards... They, they try and get away from that idea that it's an infinite space, don't they? Because at one point, Tegan Jetson's half of the TARDIS interior, and if it's infinite, you can't really Jetson half you can't of the infinity. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. But, but presumably then, somewhere on Frontius, you've got the, the swimming pool, you've got yeah. that lounge area that the Sontaran trips over the uh, yeah, sun lounge are on. Adric's bedroom somewhere. Adric's bedroom, the cloister room, the secondary yeah. console room. They're all spread all over yeah. Frontios at the moment, are they? Yeah, all, all underground. You won't see them, but yeah, they're okay. all underground. Um, yeah, episode two starts um, with a, a scene which at the time I know was ridiculed, but I, 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 I'm okay with this, that Turlo, uh, they're about to be shot, executed and Turlo grabs the hat stand and threatens them with it and of course they don't know what it is it's just made and it sort of buzzy noise and, and sparks uh. come off it so they go they're like oh, okay it might be a weapon um, but I remember the fans were sort of as they are usually up in arms uh, about this that it was silly I, I think it's alright I think it's quite it yeah, goes I mean, on for too long well if they've been there 30 yeah. years and there's no combustible material a lot of them have never seen wood before no that's true but I'm thinking the lightning that comes out of it, that, that confirms our theory. That is Swarm. Oh, I th it could be, because, yeah, he's got... Yeah? He, 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 can, he can make things disappear like with lightning. And that. I think you could be right. Yeah. Do you think, though, that, that they, as soon as they saw it, because they, they've got no fuel or anything, they should have been fighting to burn it? Yes. Burn it! <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, what have we, I put next? Yeah. Um, Turlo finds a way underground... Yeah, so we, we also find out, weirdly, that this colony of about four people um, is big enough that every day people are becoming what they call rets or retrogrades. Yeah, retrogrades, yes. Yeah. And we, we see some of them later, and they're hilariously 
they're acted like they're old school zombie cannibals. Mm. Even though, what well, they've, they've literally, they're ten foot outside of this pathetic camp. Yes. Why have they reverted to being savages? Um, they never really explain that. Um, no. Uh, but yeah, Turlo, uh, they, they go down the ladder in, because they, they work out that in the, the research bay, which we saw in the first scene, um, there's this ladder and it goes down underground. Um, but, but what I don't understand is they came into this room from the top of the ship. Yes. Yet, um, it's like 20 foot, probably not even that, say 15 foot. You've then got the bottom of the ship. This ship doesn't seem very thick. No. No. Mm. It's a very small ship. Perhaps Be that model was actual size. Better on audio. Yeah. Eh? Yes, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we we missed that the captain had forbidden anyone to dig under the yes. ground because the earth is hungry. Yes. Do, do you think that he was saying that the earth was hungry as in it wanted some food or that this he thought they had landed in Hungary? Oh, I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Mm, yeah. This, um, this could be a this could be a very early uh, uh, protest against Brexit or something. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Billy Liar is taken underground. Yes. Via that unfortunate effect. And, uh, oh dear, our first look of our adversaries tonight, um, the Tractators. Yes. Um, did you know Tractator is a real word? Uh, I vaguely remember someone saying that. I don't know what it means. Well, there's two meanings. Um, one is uh, it's a writer of tracts or treatises, okay? Right. Um, and another one is a person who handles or transports merchandise on behalf of an investor. I don't think either of them really work. No. In this, um, what's your first initial thoughts? Well, I didn't realise that that was actually them because you see them from the back first, yeah. don't you? And I just well, this, thought it was a bit of fiberglass setting. This predates Aliens, doesn't it? In the same sort of scene, they do it slightly mm -hmm. better, where you wander past what you think is a wall and it moves and it's the alien in this case again Doc 2 characters no peripheral vision because these things are literally stood there they're, they're, my big issue with this this story are unfortunately the adversaries mm. um, because the original idea for these tractators was really quite good they, they had this really elaborate idea that they would they hired dancers to be in them mm -hmm. and they were going to be these really mobile costumes and they they would roll themselves up into balls and fire themselves a bit and it must have been such a shock to get there on the day of the recording it's like what yeah because it literally is in a mobile brick shit house with two little arms flapping about which is hilarious normally when we talk about an adversary you know the execution's not that good, but they look all right in photos. But I don't like anything to do with them. I don't like their yeah. faces. I don't like the shells. They're flappy little hands, like you say. I don't like the eyes. And I don't like it when they actually start talking. Um, yeah, they're not that good, are they? Um, no, I think, I think not one part of them, of their design, works. I don't know why they've got weird faces. Their eyes are terrible. They're not. They're just part of the mask. They're not even separate pieces. They. They're just terrible. They've got this weird. Especially the Gravis has got this weird little moustache thing going on. Um, but it's the little arms. It's the little it's arms. It's the oh. bend, bend, bendy antennae. Yes. 
as but well. But they, they evidently they hired they hired dancers for this, and in rehearsals, like these dancers had all this movement worked out, and they were going. And I just imagine the only, I mean, they're flapping their little hands for to say, you know, as best they can. That must have been the only input they had. Yep. Uh, and again, this this round of Doctor Who adversaries, we've hit this so many times this round, haven't we? That the feet are terrible. It's the way they're just shuffling yeah. along, they waving those little I mean, hands about. Yeah, to, I mean they they've got less movement than Tegan in her skirt. Yes. Oh, boy oh boy oh boy. Yes. Um, so shortly after that, Turlo goes mad because yes. he's seen them. Yeah, he. Um, it turns out that he's got buried race memories of the Tractators destroying his home planet. That up to this point he's he's buried in his subconscious, but but seeing I mean it starts off he sees the walls, doesn't he? And he goes, Oh the walls, the shiny walls. Um and again very alien in that it would work if the, you could almost turn this into an alien script. Can you imagine instead of shiny walls that don't really look any different to the rest of the walls, you had the you know, the Gigaesque alien dribble walls like I don't know what we call them dribble um, walls would do dribble walls. imagine if it was that and he saw them and said, it would all work but it doesn't work with these bloody maybe better on audio if you never yes. saw the tractators maybe, yeah. maybe. Can you imagine can you imagine if you if this was like we said a missing story and you've only got the audio and you go, I can't wait to see these tractators Sound terrifying <laughs> yeah but you say that but their voices are terrible, terrible as well yeah you yeah. know, I every, every time I watch this, it's a shock when Gravis starts to speak, because as as immobile Zabiesque style creatures, it's like okay, but then he starts speaking, it's like what? Mm. Oh, he talks English. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I mean we're almost at the end of episode two because that's when yeah, the Doctor yeah. and Tegan are, um, have found they've gone down and they yes. Norna's been captured. They get captured in a really rubbish way, yeah. Uh, with their like gravity beam things, which turns them pink. Um, yeah. So the the tractators, yeah, have this gravity thing where they can they can control gravity and pull things towards them. It doesn't seem like a great power to have, um, but yeah. But again, the effect is just terrible. It's this overlaid pink effect. It all gets terrible from now on because, yeah. you know, episode three, um, Tegan saves the day by throwing a lamp at them and they and they wobble away yeah. as best they can. Flapping their arms. Flapping their arms. But when they, they come back, I swear they're on trolleys because they're not wobbling anymore. No. They're kind of like gliding in. I reckon they're all on skateboards now. They've been reckon, pulled back in. Yeah. Or the actors, as soon as they were off camera, they slipped out the costume and legged it. And they just put the costume. <laughs> These are just the empty suits on a yeah. on a skateboard. It could well be. I mean, I'm watching this and thinking, oh, this yeah. is te- this is terrible. This isn't yeah. good. This isn't good. Well, this, this is the this is the when I say a game of two halves. Up till you see the tractators, I was thoroughly enjoying this. I thought oh, I've forgotten how good this was. This has got the potential to be one of Davison's best. This is so good. Oh, the tractators, yeah. and it all goes again. You, it, from this point on, it descends into. Um, into laughable. This is um, this is the sort of one that that why you know that Mickey takes would 
do, like Lenny Henry and um, Ricky Gervais in extras, when they would do cheap Doctor Who monsters. Yes, yes. This this is what this is what it is. Yeah, and I'm watching it and going, no, this is not good. This is not good. And then it gets worse when the Doctor rolls that big ball. Yes. And knocks them over and like they're, you know, uh, it's a bowling alley or something. Well, they, I mean, they, they, they vaguely go, hang on, isn't he meant to be the cricketing doctor? So he, yeah, he, he bowls a googly at them and then rolls about on the floor going, how's that, how's that? And it's like, doctor. It's, this, this episode three is, is yeah. sinking fast. It is. I love it as well. It cuts to the, the surface. And within 10 minutes of Plantagenet disappearing, it's absolute anarchy up there. Mm. And it's like, what the hell? Why is it? Why is society collapsed so quickly? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, let, uh, let's go towards the end, because the next yeah. relevant thing that really happens, because there's an awful lot of faffing, uh, is when the Doctor and Tegan are stuck between, you know, the tractators and the ex excavator machine yes so so weirdly weirdly um these totally organic creatures that have this power to to use gravity also need machines to tunnel out their tunnels well my big question is they obviously constructed the machines yeah what out on and using those little hands did they yeah i'd love to see that a tractator mechanic Shortly, they're just about to put yeah. Billy Liar into the machine. They yes. obviously put him in there, but they can't do anything with their flappy little hands. Well, the, weirdly, the um, the novelisation for this story is actually much, much better than the televised version, because obviously they're not limited by um, the £4.80 budget. And the description of the uh, the machine is great, so it's very, again, very sort of Giga-esque very biomechanical and there's bits of dead body there's blood all over it but the one we see on screen is is like a, a cardboard trolley and um the the victim that's controlling is sat on the front yep. with this really weird and cheap looking serrated edge thing in front of them uh, it's it's terrible it, it's i don't know how they kept a straight face in the studio I mean, it's Max Capricorn again, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, oh dear. Yeah, I do um, like, though, the unscripted ad-lib by Peter Davison when he goes to shake their hands. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. That, that was that totally unscripted, nice. oh, yes. Yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's not a good end of the story. Because, again, it's meant to be this shocking Texas Chainsaw-style... <gasps> horror and it's like yeah. oh it is meant to be body horror yeah. isn't it and it's like it no is, it's yeah. not it's just silly nonsense it is that's that's exactly what it is silly nonsense yeah um the gravis he knows all about gallifrey yeah. and time lords and the tardis he his, How? his personality and knowledge doesn't match his look no or the fact because, that they've been there for 500 years yeah they're meant to be these underground creatures they should have kept them as as mindless animals but they they do that standard at this point in the show's thing of the enemies have always got you got to have a conversation with them mm. you got to talk and they got and they're always after galactic domination they always know the doctor they always have some plan and, and yeah you're you're watching it going what why yeah. why is this um 
Woodlouse wanting to take over the galaxy now. How, how did they get there 500 years ago? Do they well, pilot they, spaceships? Well, the weird thing is they, they mention that, again, very much like the Zabi, that the, the Tractators normally are harmless underground burrowing creatures. Yeah, and it's all the Gravis's fault. Yeah, his fault. But he, he's one of them. Yes. It's not like he's a, a, the animus, the alien thing that's come down. How did he get so chatty and talkative? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a point. We yeah. never hear another one talk, do no, we? No, it's literally him. Hmm. If, if it had been the master doing that, you'd go, oh, okay, no, fair enough. But it's like, he's he is literally a tractator. Why is he so clever? Yeah. Why can he talk? Yeah, how does he know about Gallifrey? Because remember, this is right at the end of time. Yeah, yeah there's that as well. You know, um, do, have they got, are they connected to like the intergalactic worldwide web or something? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Um, but yeah. Luckily, the episode ends. Um, weirdly, so my at this point, my notes become uh, basically a couple of lines, and it says the battle is awful. Yeah, oh dear, yeah. And that's it. That's that's my episode four. Yeah, so it all descends into um, into madness now because they're running away from the Gravis. And they accidentally stumble upon part of the TARDIS. Yes. And the Doctor realises that to save itself, the TARDIS had redistributed itself all around the planet underground. But there's not enough power to bring it back. But for some reason, the control room's okay. So, and you, you can escape these, these creatures that can bring parts of other planets crashing down on you by um, shutting the door on them. Yes. They can't open doors. I suppose they can't reach the door lock, can they? No. I tell you, you missed a bit there. You oh, missed the missed bit where the, the complete nonsense of the staging of the action of Brazen being pulled into the excavator oh, God, machine. Yeah. I think that's my. I covered that with my line, the battle is awful. It's yes, terrible. They, um, before that, they, they, they escape by. They pull uh, Billy Liar out of the excavator machine. Doesn't look too difficult, to be honest. Um, and then, bless him, O'Neill. He he's doing his best to make out that these these weird little immobile tentacles grab hold of him, <laughs> and then he and backs into it. He, he, yeah, he sits down and he goes. He goes says to the doctor, "No, doctor, leave me. I'm ordering you." And I think I think that wasn't <coughs> wasn't scripted. I think that was the uh, uh, Peter Gilmore just going. I've had enough. I'm not, I'm not. I was meant to run off with you, but I'm just sitting here. Yeah. You know, he's not saying leave me to save yourself. He's just going to just leave me. I can't be asked. It is really bad. I'll tell you what's really bad as well. We've got moments where the tractators are meant to be, you know, capturing people and closing yeah. into the ball like a woodlouse. Yes. Um, over the orderlies, but it looks like it just looks like they're humping them because it they does. can't. They it's can't do it. It is very unfortunate. Yeah. Humped to death by a woodlouse. Yes. 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 What, what a way to go. Yes. And um, yeah, Tegan finds parts of the TARDIS yeah. and Gravis, um, and uh, yeah, um, he's invited into the console room. <laughs> they just yes. invite him in. And the, yeah, the doctor, the doctor decides to um, 
to outsmart the Gravis. So he invites him in. And I love the way they cut away, because he won't fit through the door. Mm. So they cut away, and then you cut back, and he's there. It's like, yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the console room. I entered via the door. Shut up. <laughs> um, and the doctor sort of does this thing. He goes, oh, I'll, I'll show you all the things. Because the, the, the Gravis knows what a TARDIS is as well. Mm. And he knows it's a time and space machine. And he thinks with this, he can control the universe. Um, I don't know why all these people think that as soon as they get the TARDIS, they can control the universe. Mm. I don't think it's that easy. Well, the master but... couldn't, could he? No, a doctor can't, the master can't, the time lords couldn't. No. Why do they think they can? Yeah, little woodlouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the doctor does this thing where he says, oh, I, I've, I, um, I, I wouldn't press those buttons because it would bring the TARDIS back together and Gravis goes, ha-ha, I want to bring it back. And then he, he, he has to lift his little hands up a bit to press the keyboard, and it's hilarious. Someone needs to make a gif of that. Yeah. It's so funny. So, um, so this one woodlouse can pull yep. every part of the TARDIS that's scattered across the yes. planet yep. back together. together again. Yeah, it, it, I'm not entirely sure why, with all this power, they did need a little machine and a human brain to operate. Yes, it. yeah, that's a good point. Um, oh, but dear, yeah, it, the TARDIS comes back together. Um, which it, it's again, it's a bit of anticlimactic, and it? it's like the TARDIS is destroyed and oh, it's fixed. Mm. Um, and it all works. It works fine, the TARDIS. Nothing wrong with it. Um, but luckily, once the TARDIS is back together, of course, this on-off faculty that the 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 JNT TARDIS has is that sometimes it's in a state of um, of grace, so you can't you can't be violent in it, and sometimes it's not. Um, so the Gravis, because the TARDIS comes back together, the Gravis is cut off from all the other tractators, and he's now dormant because he gathers his power from them. Yes, apparently so. Very strange. Um, and that's really it. Yeah. To be honest. Well, it, they they drop him yeah. off on an uninhabited planet, don't they? Well, the do the Doctor goes. So the, the it cuts cuts to like a little bit time later when Turlo's going off. Oh, the Doctor's taken the Gravis and Plantagenet's going, oh, he's a brave man to travel with the Gravis stuck to the console. And then they go, oh, no, don't worry, he's, he's, he's powerless now. And the Doctor lands and says, um, we've dropped him off on an uninhabited planet, literally the next planet along. Mm. That's not going to go well, is it? <laughs> Why not put him in, like, the next galaxy or something? Mm. Um Weirdly, the Doctor can uh, easily control the TARDIS now. He, he can, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, d I, I did like, and I wasn't expecting it, when they come out the TARDIS, he and Tegan, in the background, you've got some of those uh, mantapods from the Harrier Jump Jet are in the background. Oh, right. Oh, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't notice. Yeah, there's a couple of them there. They get there. used in a lot. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, so, and then we get this big thing of the Doctor goes, um, oh, I've got a print. And I thought, I'd forgotten it. I thought, oh, it, you give him some sort of power source or so. No, he can't stand. Mm. What use is that to him? Well, <laughs> I suppose they could they could burn it or they could hang their Federation trooper helmets on it. Yes, it. yes. And yeah, the story ends with the uh, TARDIS being pulled towards the centre of the universe. Yes, um, which. Uh, well, that'll again, be Earth, very, won't it? A very well. Um, no, I don't think the Earth's at the centre of the universe. Yeah, but in the next story, that's the Dalek one, and they just arrive on Earth, don't they? 
um, time tunnel, isn't it? I think. Oh, oh, um, right, okay. Yeah, weird, um, weird Hartnell-esque going into the next story. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know whether it was some sort of attempt to to get people to to keep watching. Don't just because this one's bad. We've got another story coming up. But yeah, but really, really weird end to it. Um, we've also we've completely glossed over the uh, the uprising scenes oh. with that terrible Cockerel terrible or whatever guy. his name yeah. was. Yeah, um, because they're pointless. Yeah, they're pure filler. It, all, all, all of this subplot is just not yeah. interesting at all. No, um, and this I <coughs> this is true. I think of almost all of Christopher Bidmead's stories. I know a lot of fans like his stuff, um, but I just find it it's all idea driven as in you've got one idea you know what would happen if the sun supernova and that's that's it there's a one and this is the same i think and it's like what would happen if there was underground woodlouse with the power of gravity mm. oh i don't know what would happen i don't know I, that was it that's the script i've given you do you, you think know? it was meant to be a shock because you know the the, the first episode it all sets up that it's an aerial bombardment yeah. something's up in space attacking them and it's meant to be a real twist that actually the threat is from down below yeah i think i think in book form sci-fi like this in book form yeah i think you could you could have a real good play with this and and have it like power of you know your imagination is filling with it. i think on a on a you know a, a, a multi-camera doctor who set it just doesn't work. No. You needed to set more up, uh, and the budget just wasn't there, to no. be honest. Well, let's talk about the budget. Let's talk behind the scenes, shall we? Um, so, before they even started filming this... Um, uh, <laughs> they thought about giving up. <laughs> just not bother. Well, Christopher Bidmead was instructed to include a monster in the yeah, script. Yeah, he, he hated monsters, didn't he? He didn't want to do it, because yeah. he always thought Doctor Who monsters looked cheap. Yeah, um, which is right, but yeah. he sort of missed the point of Doctor Who. Yeah, well, that's why the two that he had written before this, you know, Logopolis and Castrovalva, yeah. had no monsters in them. Deliberately no. had no monsters. Um, are utterly boring because. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you're right. They are inspired by wood lice. Um, yeah, he had wood lice yeah. in his flat at the time. And um, you're absolutely right. Yeah, dancers were hired to wear the costumes with the idea yes. that they could coil and twist their bodies. <laughs> I'd love to see their faces. Yeah, and then they picture. put them on. You yeah. know. And they were from the Pineapple Studios. Do you remember that? Oh, the God. Pineapple Studios. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Louis Spence. That's Louis him. Spence, that yeah, him? That, yeah, that was the fella. Yeah. Uh, and please tell me he was in one of them. Oh, that would. That would explain the flappy hands, I think. It would, yeah. It would, yeah. Um, A a glitch in continuity of this uh, story is uh, where is Chameleon? Oh, yeah. Because Chameleon was on board and. So, uh, So, presumably, he was sat somewhere underground. Now, get this, right? The discontinuity guide reckons he's disguised as the hat stand. What, but they leave him behind at the end. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, no, I yeah. prefer our theory mm. of, of, of what's uh, going on there. Yeah. yeah. What if Swarm turns out to be Chameleon? Oh, my God. You, we, we're going to have that thing back. There'll be a fangasm going on. Oh, blimey. All right, Eric Sayward, after this uh, story yeah. was transmitted, uh, commissioned 
uh, Christopher to write a story for season 23, you know, the doomed season 23 yeah. that never happened with Colin Baker, uh, where the tractators would team up with the master. I'm glad they didn't. I'm surprised the Tractators haven't come back in modern I don't want them to come back, really. I really don't. Um, what else? Yeah, get this right. We were saying about the budget wasn't there and everything. Gravis was meant to be much larger than all the other Tractators, oh, right. all right? Yeah. But they couldn't afford... Is that why afford... they gave him a moustache? It's why they gave him a moustache. They changed <laughs> no, his colour. They gave him a moustache and they gave him oh. a nose. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why he's got a nose. To wouldn't distinguish been, him. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been great if the no he'd been wearing those fake glasses, you know, the Groucho Marx, so the moustache, the nose and glasses. And he takes it off and the doctor goes, oh, It's Gravis That would have been good. I'd have written that. Alright. Well the culprit, the villain yes. in this piece, the person who actually designed uh uh the track. Please tell please tell me it was a Blue Peter competition. No, it wasn't. I mean, it is a respected, um, you know, uh, um, um, Doctor Who special effects bod. David Harvard was responsible for it. Okay, now he he had done a lot of stuff. You know, he he, he was yeah. working on a lot of Tom Baker's stuff and what have you. And yeah, he was given the job. He's the one who designed, if you can call it that. Uh, yeah, the Tractators. Yeah, I. I imagine this wasn't what he had in mind. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I've I got I, I've, I've got his original sketches right oh, in front yeah. of me, and they look exactly Do the they? same. Oh, so, so this, so this I, is what he designed. Then. Yeah, I, I I'm just looking at the other things that he had done prior to Frontios. Yeah, he did. Go on, because because we're saying he designed for Tom Baker, but he might have been he might have been more Arato than Wirren, mightn't he? Yep. So what did he design previously? He did, um, he goes all the way back to 69 with the Space Pirates. Oh god, okay. He, he made a spaceship model for that. He, in the Mind of Evil, he says that uh, he, he was operating a dragon creature. Oh god, that dragon is awful. Yeah. pink dragon, yeah. Yeah. Um, he actually did something really good in the Claws of Axis. Do you remember really far back in this show's history yeah. when we did... Um, That's one of our, yeah, third yeah. episode. He did that big willy, you know, that big <laughs> camera <laughs> yeah. thing that came yeah. down from the ceiling. That was okay. him. Okay, I'll give him that. Yeah. yeah. He worked on the Mutants, which we, right. we've oh, just God. been talking yeah, about. Enjoyed that one, yeah. yeah, but he was responsible for all the bullet hits that were going off oh, and right, stuff okay. like that. Uh, what else is he did? Um, yeah, Planet of Evil. He designed the spaceship in Planet of Evil. We've already talked oh, about that. That was the one that they, uh, it was just too undetailed, wasn't it? Yeah. It didn't match the, the he, he designed the Oculoid Tracker in that, okay. you know, that flight, that drone with the eyeball, yeah. basically. Um, we'll save this for another time, but he was responsible for the big bee, beastie in the Rybos operation. Oh, the uh, Shriven. That thing down in the pit yeah. thing, yeah. And then we get to Frontios, right? Now, I've got quite a long quote from him Go about on. it. Where Is it just comprises him saying, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so sorry. I was drunk. I yeah. didn't think they would use it. I, I, he's, he's passing the buck somewhat, oh, okay. right? Oh, there we go. Yes. He says, I designed the Tractators and then got a freelance company to make them. I can't remember the name of the company. Well, I guess nobody's going to stick their hand up, are no. they? Uh, Ron Jones, the director, was supposedly unhappy with these monsters because he wanted to feature them curling up into a ball like wood lice. 
That level of costume flexibility was impossible with the budget and time restraints we had. We did set up and record one view of a tractator from behind as it was lying on its side. The vac form plates on the back of the costume did make it look like a bit like a wood lice, especially when we got the actor to tuck his arms and head into the body, but there was just no way he could then stand up from the lying down <laughs> position. That's a lot of good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in, the early, the yeah. in the early planning stages, it was suggested that the tractators would crawl as well as walk, which is why I did a design sketch of the creature in both positions. And that's, that's the sketch that I've got in the book here. Um, he says oh, one. Can you imagine that it going along the floor with those little paddles, little arms. Yeah, that's a point. How can it pull itself along it with those? Yeah. He says one request we did manage was for the tractators to have glowing veins on their bodies. We achieved this by painting the veins onto the costume using highly reflective front axial projection fluid. It produces a silvery glow when subjected to a direct light source. All right, okay. um, and then he says. I produced a couple of designs for the vehicle in this story. So he's behind the extractor oh, he machine. Did that as well. Yeah. Um, I but again, passing the buck, yeah. I contracted out the construction work to Tim, Tom Harris and his brother, who belonged to a contract company called Any Effects. I wasn't very happy with the work they did, decorating one part of the prop with an old, old baked bean tins and some <laughs> carpet tiles. In the studio, the vehicle was propelled by an effects assistant pushing the contraption from behind. All right, and then... Sounds high quality, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then the last effect he did, he says, one of the story characters had to be swallowed up through the floor of the planet. Yep. For this, we had a raised section of set with a hole cut through it. Several camping airbeds were placed on top of one another until they were level with the hole. This was then topped with a wooden board slightly smaller than the hole itself and covered over with aggregate cork chippings. The beds were adapted and fitted with larger air valves to enable them to deflate within several seconds. As the air beds deflated, the board lowered and the aggregate fell through with the actor. I was never happy with the sequence and I'm feeling that the hand of one of my assistants, I think it was Perry Brayhan, can be seen in shot. So there you go. Oh, blimey. Yeah. Not good. No. And yet they still went ahead with it. They did. They did. I don't think they had any choice, did they? They were lumbered no, with it. it yeah. yeah, they had a story to film. All right, so if we can go, just go back to the tractators, we have to uh, vote on the beasties. Yes. So, <laughs> so strictly from a design point of view, if you conjure up an image of them, what yes. would you give them out of ten? One. A one? Yeah. Oh, I gave them a three. Oh, you're, you're generous. To well, they built it, didn't they? Yeah. They I built it. I suppose there's that. It, it took a bit of fiberglass. Yes. So that's a two then, obviously, on design. Let's just see where... Th this isn't the caravan van. We're just seeing where they match design-wise. They match... Oh, look at that. The Axon humans. We you know, the people we in gold. Too, we were too bad for them. I'd put the Axon humans above the yeah, tractators. Definitely. And Ratcliffe... You know, oh, George Saul. <laughs> George Saul <laughs> is comparable, comparable to, to, to a tractator. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad he's not still alive. He would no, sue, wouldn't he? It, it, yeah, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be pleased with that, would he? <laughs> All right. So, so, so this number one that you've given it, yeah. uh, where does that shift when we're talking about the effectiveness of um, it? I, I very rarely do this, but I don't think they work at all. I'm going to give them a zero. A zero. All right. Yeah. I gave them a half. 
Okay. Generous. So that's 0 0.25. Do we have a 0 0.25? Quarter. No, nobody's got a quarter before. They're the lowest. Yeah. But well, they're not I, the lowest. Oh, oh no, 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 no. That we, we have zeros. Oh god. That quarter of a point zero. above a zero. No, no, no. We have what we've given, and this is just ineffectiveness, of course. Yeah. What we've given a, a, a flat-out zero is the Merca. Okay. Right? Yeah. The Garm. Yeah. Uh, the Scovax Blister. Yeah. Uh, the Skithra Queen. <laughs> These are just awful, aren't they? And this is, oh, what, this is, is a horror show. Isn't yeah, it? and old Lee John himself, Lee John Mansell. You know. Would oh, you rather dear. be stuck in a lift with a tractator or Lee John Mansell? Well, at least the the tractators didn't look into camera. True. And pout all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did they? They probably wouldn't sing at you, would they? No, no. But all right. Two point two five is the is the total divide that by two is 1.125 so it's 1.1 yeah all right 1.1 so caravan 1.1 let's let's go down the caravan park we haven't got a 1.1 that all by themselves yep which yep. it makes i mean it's, it's good because they are bulky things yep the yeah. nearest They're, thing to them yeah. right is the jagrafess which is 0.1 away yeah I think um, I think that's that's okay because we've got utterly shoddy CGI equivalent to utterly shoddy practical effects. Yes, and I think that's that's fair. They both they both can work and they both didn't can't. work. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I worry that with their little arms, the tractators are never going to be able to put the caravan bed and table system together, are they? No. No. Bless but with those little arms, they're not going to get you know the cutlery out the cutlery drawer no. or anything. They've had it. I don't know how they've evolved so far. I still want to know how they got to that planet, you know? I don't know. Let's just gloss over that. Yeah. All right, so that's that. Um, yeah. yeah, this story is not in our top ten, obviously. No. Is it in it's, your it's, bottom three, though? No, no, no. I enjoy... I think episode one is, is bordering on very enjoyable. Um, <coughs> and I always forget, every time I watch this, I get pulled in by episode one. And think it's it's not as bad as I remember. I was harsh. Oh no, I wasn't. Um, yeah, I think episode one on its own is is almost borders on great. I really enjoy it. I would prefer a hard sci-fi tale about a colony that's failing mm. and have it be political and stuff like that. I think the monsters ruin this story. Yeah, I I, t I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I liked episode one. It was yeah. all right, apart from the heresy of cutting up Blake Seven outfits, yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. So uh, we bid goodbye to Doctor Number Five. Yeah. We're off to Doctor Number Six and my Ooh. choice. A bit of um, Colin. A bit Ooh, of Colin. Will it will it, uh, will it break this string of um, shoddy creatures? Well, I'm very interested in what you're going to have right. to say about this next story because this next story really technically technically we shouldn't be featuring it yet but i want us oh, to talk okay. about it and when <sighs> we do talk about it we would be glossing over it have you got okay. it already i think is it um are we going to be talking about uh, uh, the dalek story we are and is it um uh orsini and buster no, I oh. wanted to do them, but they're oh. not bad guys. Well, yeah, okay, I'll give you that. We can have them. I mean, they are hired assassins, aren't they? Yes, yeah. They're not They're not nice, are they, really? 
No, they're not the most pleasant. No. Um, especially Bostock. I mean, he's he, he's an embryonic uh, Baldrick, he, he, basically, yeah, isn't he? You're right, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, we'll include Davros, them as well. No, it's not Davros because I okay. wanted to talk about this story because when we do do the Daleks and we do yeah. do Davros, you know. It's going to be a big, massive one where we look at all yes. the stories. So, so, and and I think this story deserves a bit more attention oh, than that. Yeah. So, it's so we can do Orsini. All right, we will do Orsini as well. But I, who, okay. who I was going to say? Is it Eleanor Bron? It was Eleanor Bron as Kara. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Yes. This, oh, yeah. Uh, good. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, I. I. I like this story. Well, this story for me um, has a character in it. Right, who by Is it far, <laughs> by far the most irritating, most yeah. awful guest star of the series. Give me Lee John anytime. Give me really? Harlan Pace. Give me Ken Dodd. I can't abide any okay. scene with him in. So because because obviously there's not a lot of action for the other ones. I think we should include. Even though he's an honorary adversary, I think we should include talking about Alexei Sayev in this. All right, so I'll hold off any more. Yeah. All right. Okay. I yes. might I, I, I might have shown my we, hands this, a bit too soon. This might be one of those very very rare occasions when we differ. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I think you have let the cat out of the bag. Uh, but this is going to be interesting then because is, we're going to yeah. have four adversaries to talk yeah. about then. And they're all vaguely human. Yes. Yes. Uh, or as close an approximation as we can get. <laughs> I think this would be a good one. Yeah, this is. Yeah, I. Um, I've got I, things to say about this yeah, one. I really have. Definitely. And about some of the people we haven't even mentioned yet. Um, but save yeah. all that all for next week, all right? I'm looking forward to this now. I want to go and watch it. All right. Okay, you do that. And then good. watch it. And what you can watch it seven times, once a I day, can, yeah. for the next week. And come back all versed. I the will. big question, yeah. of course, is at the end of it. Will yep. our mental state be a state of tranquil repose? Oh, very good. Mm. Will it very or will good. it not? Come back in a week, listener, all right? Yeah, we can, we can, while watching it, we can munch away on Silent Green as well. Can mm. we? Yes, mm. yes. <laughs> right, okay. All right, join us then, then, folks, yeah, all right? Good all stuff. right. See you then, Thanks Ian. Then. Right, bye bye. bye.